0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystoryatoledocalvary.org. Hey, did you do this? I, I, this is not a theological statement. I am not either discouraging or encouraging in this. Um, but, but a lot of people, and I, I think I did when I was a kid, made lists for Santa. Have you heard of people doing that? And then you get to Christmas time and you're like, this is what I want, buddy. And you send that thing to the North Pole because you want him to get your list. You know why? Because Christmas is a time that is just filled with expectation. In some ways, it's what I would just, if, if I had to give it a title, I'd call it the beauty of Christmas. Because part of what happens this Christmas is Christmas is that people are so filled with expectation. It's, it's the beauty of of Christmas, and it just kind of starts and it hits right away because you've got the music. How many of you have started listening to Christmas music? How many of you have already been listening to Christmas music for far too long already? <laughs> yeah, some of you are those people. We know who you are, right? And then you begin to think about things. You begin to think about traditions that you have and decorating gets wrapped into it. And time that you spend with family. Has anybody begun to think intently about Christmas cookies? I have. Right? There's all these things that become a part of that. That's part of the beauty of Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is a time of great anticipation. We get in this season, kind of for this, this whole, I don't know, you call it five or six weeks. It's this time of just great anticipation. What's interesting, though, is even though that's the beauty of Christmas, if we're honest and we deal with the reality of this time, There's also, and I guess for lack of a better term, what I would call the burden of Christmas. Because for some of us, there's a burden that comes in this time. Because even in the midst of all the joy, if we're going to be honest, everything gets cranked up at Christmas, doesn't it? It's like the emotion, the experience, it's all kind of amplified, it's magnified. And if that's true, then our burdens may be magnified by the season of Christmas, those things that we carry the tough times that we face what what, what are you talking about chad uh, let's just walk through a couple of them christmas magnifies our loss in a season like this we're reminded of things probably more specifically of people that maybe we'd shared christmas with in the past and they're not here in many ways If someone's passed, they'll never be here again. And Christmas just seems to magnify that. Isn't that true? Christmas magnifies our loneliness. If you're someone who, I don't know, struggles with the times feeling like you're just, you're out there, you're by yourself, for whatever reason, Christmas magnifies that. Even to the point that I interact with some people who Even though they may be with a lot of people, they still feel really alone in this season. Christmas magnifies our lack. Not just our loss, not just our our loneliness. It magnifies our lack. For some reason in this season of gift giving, it helps us to kind of see what we don't have. In fact, I know some people that because of that, they'll even make unwise financial decisions in this season because it's magnified by this. One last thing, I think this probably applies to all of us. Christmas magnifies our limits. It shows us the points that that stretch us, the place where we probably go further than what we might be wise in doing. I I wanted to use a different word than limits here. I thought about um, crazy or stress but it didn't start with the letter L, and I was on a roll, so I, I just uh, I, I went with limit. But the truth is it does, doesn't it? It stretches us in our relationships, in our energy, in our finances, in our time. All this kind of crazy happens around Christmas. So what do you do if that's true? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter one today. We're, we're gonna be looking at a very familiar story. We're starting a series that we're calling Be Still. Because there is so much crazy in this time. Our hope is that over these next few weeks, as, as, as you're here at Calvary, it'll be a time when God can speak to your heart that in the midst of the hecticness of the season, so much of which you saw in that opening video, it, it allows us to be able to take a moment and be still. The, the story we're going to look at today is, we're simply just going to read through the scripture, make some observations as we go through. It's a story, it's actually, it's actually the, the kickoff to Christmas. When the angel comes and gives Mary a message, let's look at it, Luke chapter one, verse 26. says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I'm I'm gonna make an assumption, and, and I'm gonna guess for most of us it's true that you're familiar with the Christmas story. So as a result, here's a little spoiler alert. The angel, even though we haven't read it yet, is coming to tell Mary that she is going to be the mother of the son of God, and that it's gonna happen in a miraculous way. Now, this sounds like a really cool thing, unless you begin to unpack some of the facts that you see in this verse. One of them is this. First of all, if an angel shows up, it's probably gonna freak you out a little bit, isn't it? Good news or bad news? I don't know. I've not had it happen. It's a little bit, whoa, hey, what's this all about? And then it says that Mary is a virgin. That means that it's not possible for her to have a baby. So for him to say, hey, you're, you're going to have a baby, she's like, uh-uh. It's not working like that. And then it says that she was pledged to be married. That means she was a person who was respectable. She was doing things the right way. We can kind of perceive as we read this and just kind of look at this and think she was living in a way that showed future righteousness. It was a way that showed that she had been a person that had lived according to the norms of her culture. She was engaged to be married to a guy that as you read scripture, you just become convinced he was a good man. In fact, Matthew chapter one tells us he was a good man. She had a life that was marked out in front of her. And the angel comes with this disturbing message. Mary didn't sign up for this, did she? She didn't send Santa her wish list. For a supernatural visitor with a miraculous conception, a child who because of her marital status would most likely be conceived and perceived as being illegitimate and ostracized in this religious Jewish culture because she would be an unwed mother in a situation that would cause her most likely to put her engagement in jeopardy. This is not a good situation. We get all excited when the angel shows up. There's a good chance Mary didn't. She didn't ask for this. This did not fit her plan. This isn't what she wanted. Understand this. The greatest thing God ever did looked like the worst thing that could possibly happen. In sending his son, he fulfilled all the prophecies of scripture. Everything in that book points towards this event. It was the greatest thing God did. And to Mary, it threw her whole life out the window. On the surface, it looked like the worst thing that could ever happen. Life comes with burdens. Even in the midst of our blessings, there's things that we have to carry. God didn't try to mess up Mary's life, but this was the way that it had to work for it to be the blessing. And there's burdens that come. They come from all kinds of places. We, we talked about loss and loneliness and lack. We've talked about our limits. Sometimes those burdens come because we just bring them on ourselves by the choices we make. Sometimes they come because we live in a sinful world. Sometimes they honestly come as a result of a divine appointment like what Mary's looking at here. Here's what you have to come to terms with. God works through our burdens to bring us his blessings. Sometimes those very things that we struggle with, those very things that seem to rob us of our peace, are the very things that God works through. And we can't say that God brings all those things. What we just talked about, sometimes there are choices, sometimes there's things that other people have done, sometimes there's things that just because we live in a sinful world, but God promises in his word that he can take those burdens and that he can use them to bring blessing to our life. So how does Mary respond? Think of the picture again, angel shows up, says, hey there lady, you are highly favored. What happens, look at verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You ever you ever had a phone call that you didn't expect and that you didn't want? I was in my office, I have a little office in our basement at home the other day and I was, I was focused and I was trying to get ready for this meeting that I had and I had to kinda of get my, my head wrapped around all this stuff and I was dialed in so intently and my cell phone rang with a number that I did not recognize. Has anybody been having that happen more often? Yeah, and mostly it's like some kind of solicitation call. Somebody wanting to sell you something or something like that. Anybody else getting those? Anybody else bitter about it? Yes, okay. We might want to pray through this before we move on. If you're here to, well never mind, I don't have time. So phone rings, I look down. It's a number I don't know and I think I was so kind of put out because I I had been focusing so intently and the phone rings, I'm like, oh man, that for whatever reason, oftentimes I'll just let it ring. I decided to answer this one. I don't know exactly what I was going to say. I just don't think it was pastoral. <laughs> and, and I remember, I looked at the number and I was like, hmm, like this. And I remember, I, I, you know, I put it up to my ear and I went, hello, like that. Yeah. Very pastoral, very just gracious, filled with the love of God. Hello. <laughs> the voice on the other end said, hey Chad, this is so and so. Someone who I deeply respect, who, um, I did not ever expect would give me a call, and was calling to give me some insight and advice that was of great benefit to me. And they, they had no reason to do it. Hello! <laughs> was not the way I wanted to have answered the phone. Sometimes though, even in the midst of the very best things that come our way, they catch us off guard. Even in the midst of joy, times of challenge may come. Christmas is a season of joy, but don't think that there might not be some burdens that come in the midst of this. What's it say about Mary here? Two things I want you to see that I think are really significant. One, it says that she was greatly troubled at his words. That word troubled, if you dig in, if you look in other places in scripture where that same Greek word is kind of used in the New Testament, it has this idea of fear or emotional turmoil that something is stirring inside of you. It's this emotional response that, that it's, uh, those words do it, that, that, that leaves you greatly troubled. Have you ever been there? Those times where you just feel that, it's your emotion and you're filled with that. There are times when that happens in our lives. And I got thinking about why is this? Why do we sometimes have these emotional responses? Think about this, when the external pressure is greater than our internal limits, we are prone to an emotional response. So when the, we have emotions, we're emotional people. I know you've met some people who you think have no heart, but we all do, right? And if those emotions are inside of us, when the external pressure becomes greater than those internal limits, in our life, and sometimes that fluctuates due to what's going on in our lives or the state of our health or the experience we've been through, when that external pressure is greater than our internal limits, what happens is we're prone to have kind of an emotional response. It's really a lot like a tube of toothpaste, isn't it? You've got those emotions inside and when that pressure is greater than what's holding it back or you find those places where there's that opening in your life, what's inside comes out, doesn't it? And usually you can't put it back. Now some of that's very positive Some of that not so much, but it hits us in different ways at different times. I'm a sucker sometimes for some of these, I don't know, these reality TV. Anybody ever watch that show America's Got Talent? You ever seen that show? So we, you watch that show, especially in the early part of the season, they have all these people trying out, and then they'll tell their backstory, and they tell how people overcome tragedy and family circumstances, how they work hard to use their gifts, and they do all this with the pictures and the music, and they start trying to play on their emotions, and you're watching this whole thing. Every so often when I'm watching that, my eyes start to sweat. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, you know, I just kind of have, have this moment, you know? And my family's like, you all right over there? Yeah, I'm, I'm a man. I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> you, know, you just kind of get that because there's that emotional experience that happens. Christmas just amps all that up. The music, the sights. I was driving home the other night. People are starting to put their lights up in my neighborhood. And you're like, ah, oh, this looks so cool. The smells. You know, you can just smell Christmas, can't you? I walked in a place the other day, I was like, I smell Christmas. It's a play on your emotions. Such a powerful thing. The truth is, though, that not all of them are good, are they? Sometimes what comes with Christmas is a flood or a series of emotions that sometimes brings painful memories, helps you to see what you wish you could do but you can't, that loss, that lack, that loneliness, your limits. You know, as I, was, as I was reading about this word, you know, she was greatly troubled. One of the resources that I looked at, one of the dictionaries said that you could define that Greek word as to be greatly agitated. To be greatly agitated. You might have a, a front-loading washing machine, but if you don't, if you have one of kind of those older models that's a top-loading washing machine, you know there's, a, there's that pole that's in the middle of it, Right? It's kind of got that spiral thing around it that moves around and does the work on your clothes. Do you know what they call that thing? An agitator. That's a great name for it, isn't it? Because I look at that thing and I'm like, that thing's awesome because it, it cleans my clothes. The truth is, how do you think your clothes feel about that thing? <laughs> the thing starts beating them up, working around, banging them in each other. I mean, it's a mess in there if you're being agitated. Any of you ever been greatly agitated? But you're not going to come clean clothes unless first you go through that agitation. There is something about deep emotion at work in our lives that actually is powerful. Transformation comes from agitation. We don't always want it but sometimes we need it and what's going on in Mary's life is a powerful thing here. It's her emotions at work. Now we determine whether that agitation plays out for the good or the bad but it's a powerful thing. There might not be a change unless first something in our life is disturbed. Sometimes transformation comes from agitation. So it says that Mary was greatly troubled in her, herself at his words and wondered what they mean That word wonder, she was trying to discern. She was trying to figure it out. She was confused in the midst of this. If she was greatly troubled in her heart, she was wondering with her mind. She was trying to figure out what is going on here and that's the same thing that we go through especially in times with the burden of Christmas we often ask questions or face situations that we struggle to understand why do I not understand this what is going on here where is God in the midst of this how can this be happening this has got to be wrong I don't think I can do this And all these things begin to roll around inside of us. And it says that Mary was greatly troubled with emotion and that she was wondering in her mind, I can't figure this out. What is going on here? Why do I, when I read that, it hit me. And why do I stress that? Because at this Christmas season, some of you are there and you have a burden in your emotions and you have a burden on your mind. And this Christmas season doesn't necessarily just bring with it, whether it's this year or every year, a whole lot of peace. And what I want you to know is sometimes you begin to think that you're the only one. Because everybody else is just walking around whistling Frosty the Snowman. While you're not such a happy soul. And you wonder, why are my emotions and my mind so troubled? I want you to know you're in good company that since the very first Christmas season, the first person to hear about it, who actually was the mother of the Messiah, had the exact same experience. Her response was trouble in her emotions and in her mind. So how do you get on the other side of it? What do you do with that? What did the angel say? Luke chapter one, verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Look at the very first word of that verse. The very first word there is but. Why is that word important? Because it just said Mary was a wreck in her emotions and in her mind but. God worked through the angel to say, I want to shift that a little bit. Understand this, God desires to direct our hearts and minds away from our situation and onto His certainty. Because what you're about to hear from that angel are the promises of God. So God's hope is that even though he knows everything is a mess around us, he wants us to take our hearts and our minds off of the situation and put it on to his certainty. That doesn't mean the situation changes, it just means it gives you something that can be solid in your life in the midst of that. I am no fan of bridges. I just don't like them. I just don't like to be up on them. I certainly don't like to drive over them. Some of them seem to go on for hundreds of miles. Have you been in on any of those? get around the coast, I don't like it. You know the only thing I like worse than driving on bridges, driving into open water. That I'm not a fan of. So you know what I do? When I get on that bridge, I white knuckle that steering wheel, I make everyone in the car be quiet. I am driving on a bridge and I look straight ahead. I don't, at that point, I don't care what's going on. That water may be stirring, it may be rough, it might be troubled all around me, and I'm on that bridge, I should just start singing a Simon and Garfunkel song right now. Wouldn't that be powerful? Some of you are like, what is a Simon and a Garfunkel? If you're under the age of 40, just ask Siri what a Garfunkel is. You'll you'll be fine. I'm just looking for that bridge over troubled water. God says, "Look, your heart and your emotion and your mind and your thoughts may be all in turmoil. I'm going to give you that solid thing that you can use to cross over on the other side." He says, "Mary, I know your mind and your heart is a mess, but let me give you some promises. Not have the time to unpack them all, but just listen to what the angel says. The first thing the angel said is this: Fear does not have to control you." Fear doesn't have to control you. He says, Mary, do not be afraid. Pretty big deal because we see that in scripture over 360 times. For whatever reason, it seems like lately we've been seeing this every other week in our messages. He says, look, fear does not need to control you. He says, God has favor for you. Now he says, Mary's highly favored, but just for the record, she's not the only one. We actually see that favor all throughout scripture. Maybe not in the same way, but the word that we use for that is grace. God has given you favor. He also says that God has a plan for you. See, God has a plan for your life. It's different than Mary's, but we looked last week. God has given you gifts. He wants you to use them. He not only has a plan for you, but God has power for you. If you read about the description that he gives about his son, and we're going to look at this over the course of the next few weeks His power is available to you. So what does Mary do? This is a powerful promise. He says, look, I'm gonna tell you. I I know your heart and your mind's troubled, but here's here's this bridge over troubled water. Hang on to these promises from God. What does Mary do? Luke chapter one, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Isn't that a human response? Instead of hearing the promises from the angel and going, wow, she goes, what? That can't be. How in the world is that ever going to work out? Why is that? It's a human response. We question what we do not understand. It's just our human nature. We are prone to question what we do not understand. It's fun because you can watch this happen in the life of a child. If you if you if you've been around little kids, they start to ask why about everything. Have you seen that before? It's fun to watch that. Kids begin to ask, why, why, why? It's really fun when they're not your kid and you can send them away. (laughs) It's the natural condition. It's human curiosity. Sometimes we question ourselves. Mary does this. She says, this this can't happen because I'm a virgin. She's like, this is impossible. Not only does she say it's impossible, but that often leads to you and I saying, and I'm inadequate. I see this out there in front of me. And part of why my heart and my mind is so troubled is because I don't think I can do this. And sometimes we question ourselves and sometimes we question God. Mary's doing that, isn't she? How can this be, God? There's a little tone of how can you let that happen? There's a little bit of I don't see how this can work out. And sometimes I think we feel bad when we ask questions we've already said that's our natural human response. Our natural human response is to ask questions when we don't understand what's going on. And the issue is not that we're asking questions. The challenge is not in asking the question, but in receiving the answer. Because as you ask the question, what is your intent for an answer? Because sometimes we ask a question out of just a genuine, I don't know, Sometimes we ask a question out of our sarcastic pushing away. Sometimes we ask a question and the answer we get is, is, is an angry response that we want to receive. We're looking for conflict and sometimes our question is just actually a form of revolt. Think about four words. What do you think? And then think of all the ways that you can ask that differently. I mean, I might look at you and go, well, what do you think? It's actually kind of a compliment, right? I'm interested in your opinion. You can also say, What do you think? It's not quite the same, is it? How you ask it and the tone in which you intend to receive the answer has a whole lot to do with the state of your heart and the question. Here's what the angel says, verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary, it might not look like right now this makes sense. Mary, it might not seem like God's saying anything that's right but I want you to hold on to something, Mary, that no word from God will ever fail. It's a pretty big deal. See, God can work in ways that go beyond our understanding and our imagination. And the angel doesn't go into great details to try to answer the question using science or logic. What he basically says is, Mary, God's got this. Different um, Bible versions will take those same Greek words and even though they have the same meaning, they translate them a little differently. I I love the way that the English Standard Version translates verse 37. It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's a good word, isn't it? Especially when you need a good word in a bad time. Especially when you can't see the answer. See, a confidence in God provides the answer to life's greatest questions. You might not be able to give an easy answer. You might not be able to give what even feels like in the moment a satisfying answer, but here's what you know. You can say, Mary, I know your heart and your mind is troubled. I know that you are experiencing a burden in your life right now. And there is no easy answer and there is no way to just get rid of this pain. But I know this, God's word doesn't fail because nothing is impossible with God. Sometimes you and I are prone, when we just look at at blanket statements of trust, to wanna dismiss them, or kinda push them aside. Mary's response can get lost in the midst of where this story goes, but I don't want you to miss it. Luke chapter one, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What I think is so important here is not so much what Mary does say, but maybe what's behind what she doesn't say, what comes from inside of her. Because the angel just drops a bomb on her. And even though she doesn't have all the answers to her questions, And even though the pain she's going to experience hasn't even happened yet, Joseph doesn't know. She's not starting to have a baby bump. The community's not starting to look funny at her. She's not having to shift all her plans yet. But even in the midst of it, she doesn't have all the answers, but she knows that God has this, so she says this. She says, I am your servant. May your word be fulfilled in my life. She's saying so much more than that because when she says, I am your servant, she's saying, God, I know you are in control and I know you are the one that created me. So I am your servant. She's saying, I know who I am. That's important. Hang on to that for a moment. She says, I know who I am. And then she says, may every word that you speak be fulfilled. May your word be fulfilled because you're the one who makes the promises and you're the one who never fails so I know who you are. She says, I know who I am and I know who you are so I can find peace and trust in this season. Oftentimes, I'll interact with someone, many Many times you know, in an atrium after service or talking with a friend or an appointment with somebody and they have challenges in life that they're facing. Many of life's challenges come from wrong thinking. Not not all of them. Sometimes things just happen in our lives. But many of life's challenges come from wrong thinking. And many of the times our responses to those things are affected by wrong thinking. Sometimes it's wrong thinking about ourselves. And when we don't think right about ourselves in line with scripture and who God says we are, then that affects us. Oftentimes, there's wrong thinking about ourselves. Sometimes it's wrong thinking about God. And we forget that he's loving, we forget that he's faithful, and we forget that we have favor and that he's all powerful and all these things. And we can have wrong thinking about ourselves and wrong thinking about God. Now look, the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about who God is who he sent his son to be. We're gonna look at what scripture says, what scripture calls Jesus, and that's gonna help us in that area. But before we wrap up here today, let's just talk for a minute about how we think about ourselves. Because Mary says, look, I know that I've been created by you, which means then that I can trust you because you're a loving God. So God, I'm your servant. And even in the midst of the the current turmoil in in my emotion, in my mind, I know that in you I can find peace. Peace can be found for myself when I think right about myself. Now don't misconstrue that. I'm not saying that you are the answer to your peace. Who is the only source of our peace? But you can find peace for yourself in him in part when you think right about yourself in him. That you are his child. That he says you don't have to give way to fear. You have his favor, he has a plan for your life, and his power is available to you. So what does that mean? One of the things that I think it means, just very quickly, is that my purpose is his praise. This is where where we landed last week, wasn't it? Mary says, look, I'm your servant, so you've created me to fulfill your purpose, and so I'm gonna give you praise in this. My, My purpose is his praise. But if you go on and read, in fact, here's your homework. Read the rest of chapter one. And when you get down to the conversation that Mary has with Elizabeth, Elizabeth affirms Mary, you're believing God's promises. And then Mary begins to praise God and you can see that he's not this distant source to her, that she knows him, that she sensed his presence. His presence is my peace. If if my purpose is his praise, and that I need peace in my life, in the midst of those times when my heart and my mind is troubled and I can't understand, then the bridge of his promise that I hold on to is this. That his presence is where I'll find my peace. The hope is that you'll hang on to that and that it'll be a gift to you through this Christmas season. But odds are, one, uh, one word in prayer on a Sunday isn't gonna cut it. Because the Christmas season is all around, which, which then means that you'll not only keep having those joyful emotions, but those burdensome ones might keep knocking on your door too. So I thought, God, how can, how can I give you a picture of what this means for his presence to be your peace? I did something yesterday I hadn't done in, in really quite a while. We um, were filming some video testimonies, like some people telling their stories for our Christmas Eve service, for the Christmas Day video presentation. And so we went off site and we had four or five people come and, and tell their stories. And it was, uh, our production team just did a great job of, of capturing it all. And it was just a thrill for me to kind of sit back and listen to people talk about what God's doing in their life. There's a young couple that, um, just had a little guy. He's three months old, and um, and they were telling a lot of the, the story had to do with his birth, and and um, so he was there, you know, and, and so the mom and dad sit down, and they're in front of the camera and stuff, and, and I said, well, can I can I hold him? Because I wasn't really necessary. Like I'm finding out more and more all the time, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll hold him. And, and so I'm thinking, what? They they can't talk for more than like 15 minutes. You know, this is nothing. And you pick up this little guy. He's three months old, but he's 16 pounds. He's like a big guy. You know, so I'm holding this guy, and, and I thought, you know, he can't freak out because we're trying to record this whole thing, and I don't want to walk away, and Mom you know, doesn't know me that well. I might be some kind of creep, you know. And so I'm holding, I'm holding the baby, and uh, apparently the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Praise God, because he just, it was like nap time, and he just kind of, like many of you, I started talking, and he fell asleep. It was just, you know, and so I'm holding him. I'm bouncing, you know, hey, buddy, you know. And a little while later, he falls asleep. Mom and dad talk for 45 minutes. I'm kind of just, you hold 16 pounds for 45 minutes. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of doing my thing. And so finally I'm like, I'm just, so I, I go over and I sit down in a chair. You know, that's the moment, right? It's like that switch for some babies, you know, you sit down and I'm either, ah, you know, and so like I sit down and he's just out cold. I'm like, yeah, I was super dad, you know, and I'm just kind of sitting there. All of a sudden, my, my cell phone was in a jacket pocket just like this. Baby, right there. And I got a text message. Praise God, it was just a text message. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, I forgot to, turn off my, forgot to turn off my cell phone. So I'm like, now what? Baby phone. And I'm like, if that phone rings, it's all over for everybody. So I got, I got to start finagling, right? I got to kind of reach in and I got to kind of get my phone out so I can turn it off and all of this. Well, dude didn't like that. Because I was disturbing his whole world. His emotion and his mind said, "Uh uh-uh, Pastor Chad. So he kind of just, I'm like, whoa, you know. And so I get the phone off, turn it off, hide it somewhere else, you know. And then I just start doing this thing again. And what was interesting was I just kind of, you know, you're bouncing, you know. And you're kind of, it almost looks like I'm dancing just a little bit. You know, you're bouncing and all this kind of stuff. And he just, he just like kind of took his little head, you know. And he's got that baby shampoo head smell, you know. And he just kind of, kind of like buried it into me. Just kind of like, you know, I just want your presence. And it brought him peace. Look, in the midst of everything that's going on in our world, in the season, and maybe in your life, I'm not saying you're not going to be disturbed. I just know that you've got a heavenly father who says you're his child. And in those moments, kind of like my little friend, You just kind of work yourself into his presence. It can happen in a moment. Just say, God, what I need from you right now is your peace in my life. Ask Pastor John if he'd sing the the chorus of that song again. It's real simple, isn't it? Just says, I'll trust you, God. And maybe some of you, what you need is is his gaze and his embrace in your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to step back Pastor John is just going to start singing that chorus. And if you would say, God, in this season, I need your presence to be my peace. Then right where you are, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And and you may respond just by a moment of prayer. You might want to lift your hands. You might want to sing along with Pastor John. Right now as he begins to sing this chorus, If you just say, God, I need your peace in this season, would you just stand right where you are? Whether you're you're in Auditorium 2, if you're in this room, if you're watching online somewhere, if that's you, just stand and say, God, I need your peace in this season. I need your presence to be my peace. that's the expression of our hearts Lord would you let over the course of this holiday season Lord whatever's going on in our jobs whatever's happening in our family whatever we're feeling in areas of loss or loneliness or lack God those places where, where it's good or bad is stretching our limits may your presence be our peace God, we know who we are in you. So we trust you. Lord, over the course of these next few weeks, whether it be just natural emotion or even just the deviousness of the enemy, there's going to be moments when that peace may be threatened, when things try to rob it from us. In those moments, may we remember that you are a loving Heavenly Father. God that we can settle into your presence even in just an instant would you bring a peace that goes beyond all of our understanding as we put our trust in you now Lord as we go from here we ask that you'd go with us pray that you'd send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace in Jesus name